Yo, yo, yo. What's going on, LAFC Nation? This is Walker Zimmerman, back on The Locker Room, episode 5. And today I'm joined by a very special guest, Jesse Billauer. Jesse, welcome to the pod. Yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, this is great. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, uh, Jesse is actually the son of our team chiropractor, George. George is full of jokes, full of all the adjustments, gets us feeling right for the game. And uh, Jesse's here today to be our special guest on the pod. So again, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Um, so I want to start off, and for those of you, um, you're not going to know his story. He's an incredibly uh big inspiration for me. I met him three years ago at a January camp with the national team where he came in and gave kind of his story, um, an update on his foundation, things that are going on. And so we're going to cover all the bases. And for those of you who have been listening along, uh, we talked about the purpose of this podcast to be entertained, inspired to become a better version of yourself or that you learn something new. And I think uh, of all the podcasts that we've done, um, Jesse and his story will certainly touch on all three of those. So uh, we'll start it off. Um, Jesse is a amazing surfer, an amazing surfer. He grew up surfing from California. I want you to touch on just your childhood, how you got into surfing, uh, what that looked like um, just growing up. Yeah, um, I grew up in Pacific Palisades and I'm a Pisces, so I'm a fish. <laughs> and every time we went around the beach, I was just like, oh, I got to I was watching the surfing and I was like, I gotta try that. So at first I started boogie boarding and doing junior lifeguards and right there like in Will Rogers. And then I just started boogie boarding and I actually told my parents like I was never gonna surf mm -hmm. cause I was like, oh, I'm gonna be a boogie boarder. And then I was like, oh, I'm never gonna go to a point break cause I don't wanna deal with rocks. Mm -hmm. That all changed every, the first time I got onto a surfboard. Uh, the first time I ever surfed was in Santa Monica. And then I was like, oh, I'm never going to boogie board. And then I was like, oh, I'm always going to go to a point break because the waves are better. Everything changed. But um, I started when I was like nine years old and I just fell in love with it. Mm -hmm. So I'd go to the beach every single day after school. And me and my friends would just have a good time and be out there till dark. And parents would be like, get in here. They, I'd, like yeah. it'd be dark and they'd put the lights on, flash the lights <laughs> and that's when you knew it that, was that's time. when I knew I like I have to get out yeah but I think that's such a the culture of surfing though I mean I even have a couple friends and neighbor who surfs often and it's like they're up at 5 a.m they're there for the for the good waves and then they're going again after work I mean what is it about that desire to be in the water that kind of kept you coming back every day yeah I just feel like it's just a very peaceful beautiful place to be out there in nature and kind of just listen to the sounds of the waves and just focused in on the swells and I don't know. It's just, you kind of like just forget about everything on land and that's all washed away and you're just in the moment. I think in life, a lot of people just aren't in the moment thinking about so much in the future that they can't change right there. And actually in surfing, you're just really hoping for the best wave and you're just trying to position yourself for that. And all that matters is right then and there. Yeah. I think, you know, what I kind of connect with too is I recently went hunting for the first time when I played in Texas and the thrill of like waiting in like the duck blind, waiting for a good set of ducks to come and are they going to land on the, the pond? It's almost like in surfing, you're, you're there, you're waiting for that wave and then you're never wanting to leave because you're always like, but what if I leave and then the wave comes? I, I can understand how addictive that could be. Yeah. Um, I mean, every wave is different. 
each wave is never the same. So that's really cool too. Also, you know, it's just keeps it fresh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, fresh is nice. That's awesome. So growing up, you started surfing at nine. When did you start to become pretty competitive in surfing and realize, man, this is, this is something that I really want to do as a, as a career, as a living. Yeah. Like when I was 12 years old, I was starting to do a bunch of competition stuff and I got noticed by Billabong mm-hmm. and they ended up sponsoring me. And the head guy of Billabong at the time was Bob Hurley. So he sponsored me. And then eventually, you know, later on it turned into Hurley. Mm-hmm. He sold off Billabong and started Hurley, but that was after my injury. But Bob supported me when I was 12 all the way until now. Wow. He still sponsors me. And um, I traveled around the world from, you know, 12 years old to 17, right before I got injured and just surfed around the world and had a good time. And yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, I can't imagine 12 years old. Can't imagine being a professional in anything, you know, it was know. just fun to be away from my parents. And, <laughs> uh, surfing. That was and, your inspiration. I mean, doing <laughs> like, how could you not be excited to travel with friends and in Bali and Tahiti and Hawaii and, yep. and like, you don't have your parents around. I mean, at that age, dream that's come pretty true, cool. Dude. That's a dream come true. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I wish I didn't push my parents away as much between 12 and 17 because my mom wanted to like film all the time. Right. And I wish I invited her more so yeah. I can have more footage now. But right. when you're that age, you're like, nah, it's, that's not cool. Yeah, that's, that's the normal thing to do is, is try and push them away and, and live your own life. Um, so you mentioned the injury and I want to get into that because I didn't want to lead with it starting with the pod. Um, but I want to talk about just this almost life altering event that happened at 17. Um, if you could just explain what the injury was, um, how it happened in the water and yeah, I used to work for Surfline, So I'd have to go in the morning to the beach and a pay phone back in the day would call would ring and I'd pick up and they'd be like, Hey, how are the waves? And then Surfline would put that up on Sometimes I would say the waves are a little smaller than they were, so it wouldn't be that crowded, but it's all good. Yep. Everyone did it. Yep. But I remember that the swell was going to be really good this one day. And usually I surf alone before school, but that day I was like, you know what, I'm going to invite some of my friends. And so I invited them and I got to the beach really early and I surfed Zuma Beach a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to go to Malibu High School, so I'd surf before school. Plus, they actually gave me a first period PE. No way. So surfing, they let me do independent study for Only my first period. Only in Malibu, period. huh? Yeah. I was like, I started, I convinced the principal like, Hey, this would be cool. So I don't miss class yeah. cause I probably might. And so we worked it in. So everyone in Malibu can thank me for that. But, um, yeah, I got to the beach early. Waves were firing super good. Nobody was out Threw my wetsuit on really fast, went surfing. And I was surfing for a while until my friends started to show up. And then I remember taking off on a wave and just like any other waves that were out there, it's really shallow and powerful and barrels. And I pulled inside of this one barrel backside. And when I came out, the wave hit me in my back and I kind of didn't have time to put my hands up. And at the same time, maybe was a little lazy and I felt like I can just jump off and kind of jump under the wave but I didn't really know at that specific spot how shallow it was. And I ended up hitting my head on the shallow sandbar and my whole body just went limp and numb and tingly. And 
I was just floating there face down in the water, unable to move. And all I could do at that time was to hold my breath and hope that a wave turns me over. So when it did, I knew that was my chance to call for help. So I started to call for help, but nobody was coming over to me. And I think that they just thought I was joking around. Like, you know, you got this kid that's just about to be like one of the top surfers in the country, professional, and why is he calling for help? Right. So waves were tumbling me around and, you know, moving me in the current. And one of my friends saw me and came over and I just told him, I said, like, you got to keep my head above water or else I'm going to drown. And the waves were hitting us, our surfboards were hitting us. Another friend came over that was a lifeguard, pulled me up on the beach and just couldn't move. I really didn't try that much because when I first tried, it just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So my friends called 911 and the paramedics came and the lifeguard came. And I remember they cut off my wetsuit. And to be at that moment, I was like, why are you cutting my wetsuit off? Like, I need this. And I think they're like, no, nah, I'm sure you don't. But I didn't know that. Yeah. Every other injury I had healed. So they put me on a backboard and put a neck brace on me and took me to the parking lot where there was a helicopter. And next thing I remember, I woke up in the hospital on this rotating bed with tubes coming out of my throat and my arms. And here I was, 17 years old and um, not knowing what paralysis was. So a few days later when the doctor came in and told me that I broke my neck and told me that I severed my spinal cord and that I was a par- or that I was a quadriplegic, I was like, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. And I'll probably be all right in a few months. But then when I started to learn more about it, I was like, whoa, this is pretty serious. And, you know, I'm not sure what's what's going to change. And it's a, a crazy, crazy story. I think, I mean, I can't imagine having to go back and kind of relive that over and over. Is that something that like is traumatic now or is it more of like it's a part of your story? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I do so much motivational speaking around the country that I, I've said it thousands of times but Mm -hmm. yeah it makes me think like man I wish I never went out I wish I would have done this but in life when you focus on the negative everything's going to be pretty bad so I just try to focus on what I can do and not dwell on what I can't do and just focus on the positive things that may have come out of it but um, when people ask me would you have gone back to that day and not have gone out and changed like a big course of your life selfishly yeah for sure like I'd rather be able-bodied and take care of myself and do Mm -hmm. all that but I'm very blessed with a lot of things and it's probably because of the injury that a lot of those have happened Mm -hmm. but health and wellness and all that to me is definitely something that I wish I had more of yeah well I'm curious to know I mean I think your mentality now has been amazing obviously you're kind of turning this into an incredible situation, motivational speaking, inspiring others, creating the foundation, all these things that have kind of come from that. But how long would you say after the injury did your mentality start to shift? Were you angry at first? Were you, did it take some time to to grasp? How did that transition kind of happen over time? Yeah, right after my injury, being 17 years old, really not knowing what my future is going to be like now. I was bummed out, you know, I was like, man, I just want to know what I'd be, how good of a surfer, mm-hmm. try to, you know, 
win world title. Who knows, right? So I was more bummed out about anything. It wasn't that I was angry because I did it surfing. I did it something doing I love. Maybe if someone did this to me, it'd be a right, different ball right. game. But I love surfing and it happened surfing. And um, so I was never really like super depressed, just more bummed out. And it took me a few years to kind of like feel a little bit more confident in my life and to figure out what I wanted to do. And and I had to get physically strong because I wanted to surf again. You know, I right. wanted to go out in the ocean. But it took three years to figure out the right equipment, to figure out the right people, right place. Cause nobody was doing this before me. Right. So I hadn't really nothing to look up to, nothing to like be like, Oh, that's what I need to do. We had to figure it out ourselves. And, um, yeah, it changed yeah. the course of my life and a and, lot, and a lot of, of others. People. Yeah. So a I want to, yeah, let's, let's get into that. And, um, what adaptive surfing is that kind of the genre of, of what you're doing? Is that the best way to yeah, categorize I mean, it? Yeah. It's just, we have events. Like I started a foundation. Yep. It's called life rolls on. And, after my injury, I was doing a bunch of interviews and people were like, life goes on. And I looked down, I was like, oh, you know what? It rolls on. So I was like, that's a dope <laughs> that name. That sounds good. <laughs> life rolls on. That's cool. So I like, I was like, called my brother and I was like, we need to trademark this. I need to start a company, foundation. And that's what we did. So Life Rolls On Foundation was born around like 2001. Okay. You know, it was kind of brought up around that area, but became official in 2001. And, um, I just was like, I want to be able to give back to other people in my situation that may have never surfed or may have never done like action sports kind of things and have been in their wheelchair and kind of have no place to go in a way like to have an outlet to appreciate life, to, to enjoy it, to do things like maybe that they never thought they could. Right. So there were some guys and I came up with an idea of, it was called, they will surf again. They will skate again take people with various disabilities surfing or skateboarding at a skate park and the first event that we ever had was on September 11 2001 wow when the twin towers were going down and I thought the event was going to be canceled so I was like kind of bummed out the the event was at Topanga Beach okay and so we're like oh let's go down there and just see we get there and Kelly Slater Rob Machado Laird Hamilton Gabby Reese all these top professionals are there. And I was like, oh, wow, like that's an amazing support system. And I knew from that day on that it was just going to grow and be such a strong foundation because of that one moment right there. Man, that's incredible. And I think the power in that is for people who, you know, might, they would have never foreseen themselves, you know, like you said, getting in the water, skating, doing these things. And there's so much power in, inspiring them to do things that they didn't think they could do or that they thought were over. And so for you, I love the fact that your mentality was like, maybe my circumstances have changed. Maybe it's going to look different, but I'm going to be out in the water doing what I love, surfing, finding a way, and then paving that, that way for other people to do things that they didn't think they could do. I think that's, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, look, dude, a lot of people say, I could never do what you're doing. I'd rather, you know, like I thought probably the same thing. If I ever was going to get paralyzed, I'd rather be dead because um, that's just all I knew is I want to do this in my life. Travel, surf, be the best mm -hmm. surfer. And if I ever get paralyzed, I couldn't do that. I want to die. Yeah. But like it happened. And then I was like, you know what? Like there's a lot of things that I could still do. And so I'm only as good as the people I surround myself with. 
I could never be an inspiration without my friends that helped me surf, mm-hmm. without them helping me fish or, or travel. So right. it's like, I feel like people just need to surround themselves with positive people and good people. And, and then all that kind of stuff will follow. Hang around negative people, negative things are going to follow. Like whether you're rich or poor, happiness is just that state of mind. You know, there's a lot of rich people that are so unhappy. A lot of poor people that are so happy. So you just got to figure out what's best for you. If you want more, get out there and get it. Yeah, for sure. And, and so now the foundation, you've obviously inspired people to come out, surf, skate. You also went on your journey on your own in some competitive adaptive surfing and yeah, became so, a world champion. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So you know, after my injury, we'll toot your horn on that. Well, like I was saying, when I was young, I want to be a professional surfer, and your dream is to be a world champion. So I thought that dream was over until I realized that I could surf again, laying down. You know, I propped myself up on my elbows. My friend pushed me into waves, and then I get to surf, and then that started to grow. Like people saw me doing it, so other people. Um, with disability started to surf and then other countries. And now there's an event where there's like 18 to 20 countries that come together uh, for the World Adaptive Surfing Championship. It's down in La Jolla every year. And um, the first year was maybe four years ago. And I was the first, you know, adaptive surfing world champion. I beat out, I think, like 18 other countries or whatever. That's um, insane. But yeah, it's cool, man. There's a bunch of different divisions and uh, there's an event every year. And, um, it's something that I'm now yeah. a part of. And it's, it's so cool to think that, you know, like you said, your childhood dream is like, man, I want to be a world champion. And then here you are a world champion. So like, how was the emotion? I can't imagine the emotion in that moment. Like, yeah. What, that what was, moment was pretty rad. Was that just like the culmination of kind of all the events that have taken place? Yeah. I feel like it was, yeah. I think it was probably destined to be that I was the first one. Yeah. Um, now there's other guys out there, so I got to work harder and try to kick their ass in that because <laughs> I need to be a two-time, three-time, four-time right. world champion. Come on, man. Yeah. Uh, the limit. These kids are coming up, taking me down. <laughs> I got to retire soon. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Um, I want to touch on some of your favorite moments surfing, both before and after, favorite places, favorite countries. I know I was uh, speaking to George about uh, Fiji becoming the first person, I think, entering in, was it? I don't know the right terminology. My yeah. surfing terminology is not very yeah, good. Yeah, I was one of the first was people. Cloud in a, wave? Cloud break. Cloud break. Okay. Cloud break. One of the most dangerous waves in the world. And I thought that'd be fun to test out. <laughs> and um, a lot of people were against it. Some of the top pros were like, ah, you shouldn't do it. But my mind was so set on it. I was like, whatever. And I got towed in with a jet ski and s- pulled into a barrel and cloud break. And I didn't get hurt, but I won't do that again. Yeah. But it was the most amazing experience for the first time to do that. And everyone was so nervous, so scared. But the end day when I came out, you know, not injured, but we just had a blast. But yeah. it was a scary moment, but something good in history. It's continuing to push barriers. and Yeah, and I've, dude, trust me, I've pushed barriers, surfed 10 to 15 foot waves in Hawaii. Yep. And I've broken both of my femurs doing that. <laughs> so I've kind of semi-retired from surfing big waves. Yeah. Um but I didn't feel it, but it sucks because I hate being in the hospital. I hate, for sure. but I'm full of metal and now I'm a little bit older and a little bit smarter and kind of uh, very selective on when I do surf and where. 
right? Well, now you got, congratulations. You have twin, twin boys now. Uh, yeah. How old are they? They're home. They're about a year and a half. Okay. So that's you awesome. Know? Everyone says like, you know, 18 months, 19 months. I'm sure that'll kind but of tamper the, uh, like I don't you said, think after, after 24 months, you can never say months. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. My kids sure. are 36 months. Right, right. No, right. no, no. So mine are like 18 or 19 months and, um, it's just amazing, dude. These kids are just so much fun to be around and to watch them grow and just the words that they're learning and mm-hmm. what, I don't know. It's just. And, and do you envision yourself teaching them how to surf at a young age? Oh yeah, that's for gonna sure. Be their, that's just like a lifestyle. Huh? I really hope that they're good and that yeah. they love it. Open to being in the water. I really hope so. Yeah. They love the water. Yeah. We did swim lessons for a long time, but I'm really hoping that they get active in the surfing world. Yeah. You know what the, the story in Fiji, the cloud break uh, reminded me of was, have you seen free solo? I did. Yeah. I think the whole mentality of, like I said, pushing barriers, um, you know, creating new limits on sport, you know, seeing what he did first ever climb El Cap. Um, and if you haven't seen free solo, it's a movie about, um, a a mountain climber who basically climbs one of the most insane faces of rock in the world without any harness or rope. Um, it's a great movie. You should check it out. Here's the plug. Not that it, don't I would not advise to go try it. Yeah, so. please don't go try it. But Walker uh, Zimmerman hearing does yeah, not promote that. No, I do not. <laughs> yeah. Uh but hearing about cloud break, hearing about you kind of doing things that haven't been done before, um, what is it about doing those things that is appealing and attractive, do you think, to yourself and your mentality? Well, I don't know. It's whether I'm missing a screw or not or I'm just <laughs> ahead of the game. Yeah. I don't know. But it's just something different and just life itself and just living it and trying new things. I think it's a beautiful thing in life to be able to just test out different things. Yeah. Try them and see what works for you. For sure. Well, as we wrap up, um, we, we've mentioned your foundation and life rolls on. You guys have a ton of events all the time. What are some of those events? Um, what are ways that we as a community can help support um, be involved in, in the events that you have going on. Yeah. So we have events called they will surf again and they will skate again. They're quality of life programs where we take people with various disabilities, surfing and skateboarding. We have events in California, Texas, Florida, Virginia, North Carolina, New York, New Jersey, Nova Scotia. But, uh, in California it's Santa Monica, Huntington beach and La Jolla and Venice beach. Those are um, our events and they're free to the public. So anyone who signs up, gets to uh, come surf or skate. And then we usually have about 75 to hundred people with disabilities surfing or skating. And then about three to 400 volunteers. Wow. So people come out and, um, it really just takes sponsors and donations to make it happen. So we're always reaching out to, you know, companies and people Mm -hmm. who would like to give back because it's really about giving back. That's what we do. But at the same time, we need donations and sponsors. And then we um, have fundraisers in the year. We just had a big uh, charity poker tournament. And then at the end of the year, we have an auction dinner concert. And it's called Night by the Ocean. It's in Santa Monica on the beach. Jason Mraz, a Grammy Award winning artist, uh, hosts it, sings, and we have other artists. But it's a live auction, a silent auction, and just a rad dinner on the beach. Um, That's October 5th this year. So people can purchase tickets. Uh, You can go to liferolleson.org. 
and also nightbytheocean.com. But um, it's just get people out there, you know? Like yeah. if you know someone that's in a wheelchair or has a disability and needs a little pick-me-up, yeah. bring them out to our event. Or yeah. if you're able-bodied and you want to come volunteer, come, volunteer. come out there. It's, it's full of inspiration. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And that's really how the community can give back. Well, if there's one thing I know about our LAFC supporters, it's that they've been tremendous in their community service and the ways that they've kind of rallied behind different things. And so I think Life Rolls On is is a, a great foundation that's going to inspire a lot of people, already has inspired a lot of people. And so LAFC, let's do what you do. Let's uh, find people that we can inspire um, to do things that they never thought they could. And we want to rally behind Jesse, behind Life Rolls On, and we just want to appreciate you. Thanks for being on the podcast, on the locker room. Um, it's You inspired me three years ago, and I haven't forgot the message that you gave to us then. And so it's nice to reconnect and, and hear your story and how you're continuing to break barriers, push limits, and inspire people through the foundation. So Yeah, man, just remember, tomorrow's never guaranteed. Enjoy today. Be thankful for what you have. You know, Tell your friends and your family how much they mean to you before it's too late. And you know, just work hard, follow your dreams and uh, find out what your passion is in life. And then um, what you do with your life won't feel like a job because when you love something that much, it's just part of life. That's I love why it. Life rolls on. I love that. No better way to end it. Uh, Jesse Billauer, ladies and gents, thanks for coming on. All right.